0: And as I resigned myself, like, okay, I guess I'm going to burn. This young lady who had just gave me meth however many hours before, she started communicating the gospel to me.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve His will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, then this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share the show with anybody else who might be encouraged by it too. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Good morning, everybody. Today we have Rudy Tinoco on the show Uh, He is a husband, father, and pastor of Old Town Church in Forest Grove, Oregon. And he came to the Lord after a journey with panic attacks, drug addiction, and an LSD trip gone wrong. So this seems right up the alley for Raised and Redeemed here today. So I'm so glad to have you on the show to share your testimony, Rudy. Thanks for joining us.
0: Very glad to. Thanks, Michaela. As I said before we started here, I'm a fan of yours now and really impressed with how much you've matured. And I don't mean this condescendingly. I mean you've really only been saved for like three years, right? And yeah. to see over my binge watching of a number of your videos, the, the the spiritual growth. You see this, your own testimony is evidenced here through your videos and your growth. And it obviously impacted you significantly. And so I just really honored to be here on your show today. So thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Oh, thank you. That's a that's an amazing compliment. Yeah, I definitely started in, in my baby season, so yeah, I I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: hey, and by the way, you know, I'm challenged by you. I'm in the middle. Uh, I don't even know where I'm at because I didn't. I didn't want to put. It. I don't. I, I'm on your 40 day uh, sin oh. uh, sin <laughs> challenge, and I know you did that probably out of just excitement, and you just saved. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this 40 days. But I found the 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 vision behind that. Very compelling, 40 days, you know, of that, that uh, the, the the rains came down, 40 days out in the desert, Jesus, 40 days, this time of testing. And yeah. so I took that challenge and I just determined in my heart, let me not, I don't want to know what day I'm on because yeah. then I'm, I'm focused on the very thing that I'm trying to avoid in my life. And so anyhow, uh, so thank you because, because your Hi. challenge there, I'm now, uh, I my thing of choice people, well, what would you abstain from? I've chosen to take a break from wine and brew. I like myself a nice IPA or a glass of wine. Okay. People, I know I'll lose some folks just because I said that. Um, and, you know, I've had to choose who I lose in that regard. But I do think there's something to be said for having, especially in this battle against fear, having be sober-minded and alert, right? Like Peter says. Yeah. And I think there is, there's in direct proportion to how much, we're consumed with anything, alcohol, weed, whatever the thing might be. I believe that there's a dissipation of the spirit's ability to operate and not because he's powerless, but we throw stuff in the mix. And then we wonder, well, why don't I have victory in this particular area? Well, it's because you're not being sober minded. You're so saturated when it says, you know, don't be drunk with wine. If you look at the Greek language, it's speaking of being soaked and drenched in something. Uh, and, And so we wonder why I don't have victory. Well, we need to learn self-control. And not necessarily that I was losing self-control, but I'm mindful of being a pastor and being a Christian, I don't care if you're a pastor or anything. It's just yeah. mindful of what we're allowing ourselves to be consumed with. And I don't want like Paul says, I don't want I don't want anything to have mastery over me in the right. name of Jesus, whether it's alcohol or whatever the thing might be.
1: Yes. So. It's a big responsibility what we're doing, like you said, as a pastor and even as as Christians, we do have a big responsibility in that. And it's it's not that God isn't there, but when we're clouding our our vision, our ability to hear with substances, even if it's just, you know, a drink, sometimes it it affects our ability to hear the Holy Spirit. Even though he's still there, we just like can't hear and see as clearly sometimes. And I love that you brought up the 40 Day Sin, ch- uh, sin Free Challenge. I forget what I even titled that because my <laughs> first videos on YouTube after becoming a Christian. And, you know, my life before becoming a Christian was just submersed in so much sin, so much just everything wrong, substance abuse, sexual immorality, lying, stealing, cheating, you know, like everything. And so for me, when I first realized Jesus was God, I was like, I don't get any of this but I'm going to take out everything that might be opening portals to demons or separating me from God because I finally realized like I needed him. So it was a very baby Christian video of me to make, but yeah, the message still reigns true.
0: I would say, in fact, you know, even there, I understand that you're saying it came from you know, from the heart or from the spirit of a baby Christian, but still I think it's profound because maybe even as a jumping point into my own testimony, alcohol, any substance has the potential to be, as you say, and I've heard it said, portals whatever we want to call it. We open ourselves to demonic oppression. Now I know folks are on the fence about you know being possessed, and maybe I'm on that on that side of man. If you have the Christ in you, I don't really believe you can be possessed. It's a house divided, and so I don't believe that. But yes. uh, but I do believe that um, allowing ourselves to be consumed with substances that we are allowing the enemy a foothold. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a slew of drugs that I allowed myself to be consumed with that ultimately led me to this dark night of the soul, if you want to call it. I mean, it's just, yeah, an LSD trip gone wrong, but there was so much, a perfect storm of things that I allowed in my life out of anger and just being a lost confusion that threw me into one of the most horrific nights of my life. So yeah.
1: well I'm excited. Let's let's jump right into it. If you want to just take us back to the beginning, um, like how did all that that start? What led up to you, you know, getting involved in all this drugs and void filling essentially.
0: Well, you know, I've always been, unfortunately, a person consumed with fear. Ever since I was a little kid, I really had what I can look back now in hindsight is being anxiety attacks, no explanation. I can remember being—I don't know—I must have been in the first or second grade, grade standing out in a playground, and I don't know what some kid said to me, but it was not anything little kiddish. But some whisper of something that left me out there paralyzed in fear. They had to come and get me off the playground because I couldn't move. I was overwhelmed with terror, and a number of these episodes happened all the way you know, through my teen years. But it really things with regard to drugs really didn't get to the level that they did until after my brother Bobby passed away. I'm the oldest of four siblings. It was me, my brother Bobby, my brother Richard, and then my little sister Crystal. Well, my brother Bobby and I, we were really close in age. He was just a year younger than I was, and we did a lot of dirt together, just silliness, you know, exploring all the things that teenagers shouldn't be, but they do. Um, well, my brother Bobby was in and out of gangs. And drugs and these kind of things. Well, one day he got himself a, a gun, a thirty-eight, Because there was some East Side Loony crew was after him or something like that. And so he got it for protection. And I can remember walking in the garage. And he w- was hollowing out the point of one of the bullets. He only had one bullet. Uh, and I always regret. I, I've, it's only really been in the last six, seven years that I've been able to be relieved of the guilt associated to this. But, you know, I saw him with the gun. I saw the bullet. I didn't say anything because, you know, kind of that old, that way of street thinking like, well, I don't want to be a rat. And I don't want to rank on my brother and all of that stupid stuff. And so I didn't say anything. I think I had commi- I said something to the effect of, hey, Bobby, be careful with that thing because little crystals there. And if it goes off in the house, you know, who knows what will happen. Mm-hmm. That was the extent of my concern. Well, it was a week later, my brother, he was going to play a game of Russian roulette, okay, but he was setting it up. He, he was you know, he was only 16, but he put that single bullet into, and I don't understand gun terminology, so please forgive me, but he put the bullet in the chamber in such a way as he felt like he could pull the trigger five times, and then on the sixth time, it would go off. Yeah. And so he played this pretend game of Russian roulette in, the front of, in front of his high school, Gunderson High School in San Jose. His girlfriend was there, his best friend. He pulled the gun to his friend's head, pulled the trigger, you know, and then on oh, to his girlfriend. I mean, really, just a horrible, horrible, dangerous game. Well, after that silliness, the fifth time he pulled it to his own head, thinking he had one more mm. pull of the trigger. And he shot himself right there in front of his girlfriend while she was looking right at him horrific moment in the life of our family it just everybody broke themselves against the rock of Bobby's death it was it was devastating Mm -hmm. and what was most for me impacting with that of course losing my brother I loved him and I had regretted that I wasn't a better brother to him I should have been doing everything I could to Telling them, hey, man, what are you doing with this gun? Don't be stupid. Yeah. But what was most impacting is my mom and my dad, uh, who were, were Christians at the time. My mom had us go to some youth group. And I really just had one question for this person who was leading the group. It was a woman who was pastoring us at that point. And I really had just one question. Because my brother and I were the kind of kids, and maybe you know folks like this, who every time there was an altar call, man, we were right there in the front. Cause we were always doing dumb stuff. So we wanted fire insurance. Like, yeah, come back again. Yeah. Because I was killing it all week. And so, yes, I want more Jesus and always doing that, which by the way, for those listening man, you, you're secure in Christ, you come to him by faith in the blood of Jesus, you are cleansed, you're made new done deal. You don't have to keep doing the thing mm-hmm. anyway. But I wanted to ask this lady saying, knowing that my brother, kind of in and out of drugs and all this stuff. I just, found a moment. I said, Hey, did my brother Bobby make it to heaven? That's all I want to know right here. Mm -hmm. She said, so he said he had tattoos. Yeah. And he kind of went in and out of drugs. Yeah. And he shot himself with technically that's kind of like suicide. She didn't say it that way, but she was implying that. Mm -hmm. And she goes, yeah, he probably didn't make it. I'm like, what the, and my little brother, Ricky was there too. It's like, what? I just got up and I just dipped and I was when you tell a seventeen-year-old kid that, especially like I was, it's like all hope is lost. If if me being saved, if me being secure in a relationship with Jesus is dependent upon me being a good boy, well then I'm screwed because I suck. And you know it's like eat, drink, be merry for tomorrow we die. And that was it. That was that was the beginning of this descent into drugs and alcohol and all sort of stuff. Man, I was already at that point smoking weed. dabbling around with LSD. When I started, well, at 15 years old, when I started that, somebody gave me my first tab, and it was two years later. Um, But that began my descent. (music) Leading into this night where things fell apart on me was, again, I was in a bad way doing all sorts of stuff. Um, But there was this one particular night where we went to some folks house who I didn't really know they were strangers. And I was with a buddy of mine and we went to this house and I was just being stupid. I, mean, I was already, I did like two hits, of three-way LSD or something. I was already smoking weed. I had drank a 40, which I don't even, I don't even, I never even liked old English. I just did it for, cause Snoop Dogg and them did it. <laughs> I couldn't even stand that stuff, but <laughs> drinking a 40 is something. And then for the first time, some girl said, Hey, you want to smoke some meth? I didn't even know what meth was for reals. I didn't even know. i go, sure, give me that. And we, I didn't even have the common decency to, to to smoke it out of a pipe. It was just like some tinfoil, you know, like with the pin cutting it. That's and
1: hardcore. It.
0: it was straight up hardcore. Just so dumb. Oh, Father, thank you that you forgive us for this stuff. Anyway, I uh, so I smoked meth for the first time. And so I did that. And then we're in the living room. And I could sense something that this fear it was a familiar fear again i've had panic attacks because i was a kid yes. there was some familiar like mm, something doesn't feel right right here mm-hmm. mind you we were watching fantasia with the sound off listening to an artist some satanic artist uh named king diamond okay. don't look him up. it's it's an album called abigail where it's it's so satanic yeah, It's satanic. And here I am listening to King Diamond watching yeah. Fantasia frying.
1: Yeah. So we've, got, we've got that portal. We've got the portal of the meth. So big portals open to these dark spirits and the spirit of fear to come in.
0: Yes. And so I'm sitting there and things are starting out. You know, the LSD and all that stuff's kicking in. And there's these two dudes. I don't know who they were. But I could just sense something is like, not right about these guys. They, I couldn't quite figure out you for me, against me. There's like this flipping back and forth. And I don't know what your intent is, but it, something doesn't, doesn't feel right. And so I stepped outside and this same young lady who had just given me meth was out there. And, and this is what triggered it. I, she could say, she says, she goes, so what, Hey, what's wrong? Or what's going on with you? I said, I don't know, I feel like I'm dreaming this right now and this isn't really real and boom, everything flipped. My reality just crumbled as the very thing that I was suggesting
1: mm. became
0: a reality. Reality just fell and like this
1: spoke it into existence just yes
0: like? oh my gosh yeah i it was so, you know And there's a lot of folks who i've heard you're on your show but i've also heard this people who think we're living in a matrix that we're on like some truman show and those feelings of depersonal or derealization man well that's what it feels like what the freak is I'm, I'm like in the, the <laughs> light zone right i mean it feels like that now you're on lsd and it's even that much more amplified but see but this is derealization with some added stuff on it, which I'll explain here in a little bit, but essentially this young lady, when I told her that she became like judge and jury. She looked like she was like an angel or a demon. I couldn't figure out. I I watched a movie. uh, Oliver Stone did a movie, a biopic of Jim Morris and the doors. And I remember Meg Ryan, that character said something, I had this trip and it was like, she was Jesus Christ, but Judas too, or something like that. Mm, Okay. That, like, I don't know what your intent is with me right now, but what I had felt like was that I had crossed this Rubicon. Like I was now at the judgment and not just at the judgment, but I was in the garden of Gethsemane and I couldn't see it really, but I was experiencing the sense as though I'm in the garden and they're coming for me. But at the end of this thing is death, it's torment, death. And at the end of it, Destruction,
1: and at this it, point, do you have any biblical background or understanding, or like ground hmm. zero?
0: No, that's a good question. I think yes. I I, I need to you know, maybe give you this bit of background. I I was raised Buddhist, which is weird when you think of it like Mexican Buddhist sounds kind of <laughs> awkward, but but that's what we we were. I grew up Buddhist until we were about twelve, and my mom married my stepdad, and he at first started dabbling in Buddhism, which I always kind of wondered. To what degree did that play, you know, from a spiritual realm? We had a, those who know Buddhism, there's a it on, you know, this gohonzon with this, you know, boutset on. And there's this this pr- constant, you know, praying. I still remember it. I won't say it, but I remember the prayer. I grew up with it. I can mm-hmm. do so not just the namihoren geikyo, but the the other part of it. But again, I'm not going to speak it because who knows what that did
2: yeah. to our home
0: in and, and, and the spirit realm. But it wasn't good. It didn't help. Yeah.
2: yeah. But um,
0: then my stepdad came in. And thank God for my, my stepdad, his name is Chris, man, just a godly man, been an incredible influence on my life, um, who really did his best to have our fam- us boys and my sister Crystal raised up to know the Lord. And so we did. And what's beautiful is we went to a church called Grace Bible Fellowship. And this pastor, uh, Dave Ashcroft, I think is his name, Ashcroft, anyway, uh, Ashwell, David Ashwell, just communicated the grace of God, unfiltered, like, no, God just loves you as you are without expectations of this law these legal things so i had a context in fact there were times when i'd be frying in high school i'd be in detention reading the book of deuteronomy i remember one time i was sitting there i didn't know i was saying it out loud but i was trying to pronounce deuteronomy deuteronomy dumer dom Deumer, dom i was saying it out loud and the teacher goes rudy shut it I'm like yeah. i'm saying that out loud right now so i was i knew Adam, the Lord
1: the background yeah so, so, the, so you're in this garden.
0: Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's in this garden, and I, I just, terror like no other. It's what made Jesus sweat drops of blood for goodness' sake. The prospect of that, the weight of sin on you,
2: mm. torment,
0: it and it's
2: oh.
0: horrific. Uh, and so, and what she did was, she says, so it's like she started asking me questions, and for every question that I got wrong. It's like I sunk deeper into this pit of of hell. She's like, so Bruce, I, I think I heard you say you have a daughter. What's her name? I couldn't even remember my daughter's name. Mm. My baby. I couldn't even remember her name. I said something like, oh, I made up some random name. And as soon as it left my lips, sinking deeper. Yeah. It, and all I could cry out, and it was like two in the morning. I don't even know how the cops did not come. because I just was crying and yelling. I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to be crucified or however I was phrasing it. Some of it is lost on me. It's kind of a cloud.
1: Yeah. You said it was but 20
0: I, years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's been like,
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, maybe-
0: I'm trying to look through that. Cause my daughter was, I think she was two years old at the time. And now she's my goodness. I think she's going to be 33 this year. So it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're talking a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, And so some of the, but some of the most important stuff is not lost to me because There's this point where I was looking up and I could see like a spiral of some sort going up into the sky. And I knew that was like somehow uh, those who've gone before, like Bobby was up on some one of those rungs up there. I don't know what the heck that was. I don't really have a context for that. People say, oh, maybe it's Jacob's Ladder or something. I don't know. Yeah. But there's a point of resignation that I got to in this terrifying night where I felt like I was done where i at a certain point, I resigned myself to it i I could see or i f- knew that God was kind of up here, couldn't quite see him, but I knew that that was what he who he was, yeah, I sort of said i stopped crying i wasn't even I wasn't really scared I was just mm. okay. okay, and it was like the A silence I'd never experienced. I don't even know where that girl, where she ended up, but just silence like I'd never heard before. And as I resigned myself, like, okay, I guess I'm going to burn. This young lady who had just gave me meth however many hours before, she started communicating the gospel to me. I don't even know how what she said. She was saying like, well, but yeah, but you don't have to. He already did that. Like she was answering my thoughts. Yeah. Like, you don't have to feel pain. He already did it. I'm like, Huh? So I don't have to. So this is real. We're alive. All, all these questions as, and it's so trippy because it's like this revelation brought into my spirit of he's already done it. You don't have to, he did that for you. The sun was coming up and it's daylight. And then my friends who were in the house come out like, Hey Rudy. And I'm like, what the heck just
1: happened right now?
0: It was like, felt like the Truman show. Like you guys have just, oh. was this a setup? Like one of your, your, uh, the guys who you interviewed actually said that he felt like it was a big setup.
1: Yes. Right. Yes.
0: And it, it felt, felt like, was a, is this done? Like for me, am I being punked right here on the Truman show?
1: A spiritual it just, setup. It seems like, yeah, <laughs>
0: that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And I thought, what the, and so I was trying to ground myself. So this is real. I, I'm alive. It felt like that's why one of my most favorite movies. I have a Christmas tree in my office, three sixty five because I love me some Christmas. I I I felt like George Bailey on that morning of
2: what I'm uh, alive,
0: you know, and was just excited that. Uh, man, I even went home and go ma. I don't know. I was frying. I was on LSD, but I met Jesus. Uh, you know, it was so bizarre. Um, uh,
1: won't he do it? And won't he speak through that girl too? Like the way he used her, you know, the way he he can use anybody. And wow, it does seem like a spiritual setup and whatever the enemy meant for evil, like God turned this situation around. Like, obviously we wouldn't recommend going and doing meth and LSD and mixing all that, but what the enemy meant for evil in this, God turned for your good and brought you to him.
0: You said it, which (laughs) is why I always, because there's some Christians Church folk can sometimes get on my nerves because they make up a lot of dumb stuff that keeps people from coming to Jesus. They'll say, Oh, well, you know, God cannot be in the presence of sin. That is so stupid. That is so dumb. He was in the presence of Adam and Eve's sinfulness right there in the garden. People are, yeah. Anyway, it drives me nuts. But what that showed me, like God was relentless. They're high as a mother. I wasn't even asking. I wasn't, I wasn't crying out. I mean, I sure I was saying I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to go through this thing, but I wasn't saying I don't want to go through the the thing that Jesus delivered me from, but I didn't give myself over to in faith or anything like that. It's just like begging for mercy, and that's all that God had to you Go, he's he's begging for mercy. Good enough. Let's go get him. And he just he snatched me up out, and it you know it's painful. It's like I told my grand you know grandkids, um, or I think of my grandkids if they were about to step into the road and I knew a truck was coming. I will snatch them by whatever I gotta grab. If I have to grab their face or their hair, whatever, I'm gonna get you up out of there, even if it hurts you. Uh, that that's God. He was like Liam 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 Neeson in that show Taken. He's like he's gonna be relentlessly kicking doors down to 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 come and get you in the middle of your dumb uh, choices. And that's what he did for me. Thank you, Jesus.
1: announcement here if you're enjoying this episode please help us expand our reach by liking subscribing leaving a review or sharing it with a friend and now back to the episode And sometimes we forget that, that he is a good father. You know, like you said, the religious people will be like, oh, no, like, why would he do that? And like, these are your consequences. But I feel like when you become a parent, which I'm not yet, so I can't super speak on it. It's like, even if your kid does something stupid, like, like you said, you love them and you want to keep them protected. Like, yeah, they shouldn't have ran out on the road, but you're not going to let them get hit by the car, even though.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I, I wish I could say that that was the end of it. You know, and again, you probably heard this how many times because then I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to touch LSD anymore. Mm -hmm. God made weed and it's natural so I can smoke it. People underestimate the power of weed. They're dumb. They think, oh, yeah, but it doesn't really – it's not hallucinogenic. It's not addictive. You're dumb because I've smoked everything there is to smoke. And you can go ahead and believe that. In fact, thank God. Now there's a lot of studies that are showing that there's a direct relation to a lot of like an increase. Now that it's been made more freely available, you can go to the store. I used to have to go some to some seedy stuff to get some weed. In many cases, it wasn't even really weed. Um, Now you could just go to the store like a 7-Eleven and get it. People underestimate it. And what they're finding now is there's an increase in usage that there's psychosis and all sorts of things that are being triggered by this stuff, man. So I tell people, then go ahead and keep smoking it then. Be dumb. And then learn the hard way if you want to be stupid. And that sounds mean, but just for reals.
1: Well, for some of us, we do have to learn the hard way. So I, it is real. <laughs> so so after this experience, you're like, okay, uh, I'm not going to touch like meth and LSD, but I can still smoke weed. This is sort of where you went next.
0: So natural. But then I smoke some weed. And oh my gosh. I And I hardly man, it wasn't even that much weed. And I, again, I smoked that, uh, some weed and immediately, boom, everything shifted. And I could, I thought, I could feel it. I'm here again. Uh-huh. And now, really, now you're really going to burn because you had your chance and now you just used up your last chance. So uh-huh. now you're going to burn. And I was for, I think, two and a half weeks, maybe more, I literally thought I was dead and in hell because see this is what this is the devil's lie and this is important for me to, to point this out because this will explain kind of where how I've been able to fight this these panic attacks and things associated with this because see what the devil did in this this next trip the lie that the devil spun which is weird he says he was saying Rudy that night you actually died you did die and you've conjured up this reality around you, this fake reality that everything's good and that you're saved. And but really, Mm-mm. dream on, because you owe me. If my life became, I don't know. I used to be a fan of horror movies, which was another stupid thing. There's a movie called Jacob's Ladder. Okay, don't watch it. But if you have you seen that movie
2: I
1: with haven't. Tim Roth? I'm a scaredy cat now. Like I used to watch oh. scary movies too. And now I can't <laughs> even watch like the commercial for it. <laughs> no, I don't either.
0: But there's this movie. Where, and I ended up getting, there's a book about it and it's a transcript and how they went into a lot of satanic new agey stuff with chakras and all these things, a lot of stuff goes into the making of this movie. Uh, So it's spiritual in nature, but essentially this guy, he's seeing, keeps seeing demons, increasingly seeing demons, thinking he's going crazy only in the end to find out that all that he'd been experiencing was his life flashing before his eyes. And then at the end of the movie, it's a flat line beep up and there's a light that he walks to, but the light was really that on a a table in Vietnam where he actually really died. And it was life flashing before his eyes, just horrific. Well, that was my life because the devil made me think that I was dead, that that happened that, you know, that however many months it was prior that really you died that night. You're on borrowed time. This is just all your imagination.
1: And this while you were in this next psychosis after. Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. And so it took me, I don't know, just time, I guess, to again, wait, so this is real and grounding myself. So, to make a long story short, um, there was a certain point where I realized that I really needed to pursue Jesus. If I really wanted to be set free and if I wanted to be a good dad to my kids, the sad thing is, you know, I had a daughter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like you know, still smoking weed and all that stuff, and being being dumb.
1: Were you married at that point?
0: Mm-mm, no, no, nah, not yet. I had gotten uh, so I had a child when I was 16 years old. So and okay. almost I like, grew up with her. Wow. Uh, unfortunately, she experienced a lot of my growing pains and yeah. stupid choices. Um, so, but it's also been a blessing because she's seen that I'm a different man now and what Christ has done in my life. Okay. But, so. there was a point where I really came to a, a decision and you know how it is we, with our best effort, I want to serve you Lord. And you have your, you know, your stops and starts and you do well, you're on fire. And then you, you know, yeah,
1: the ebbs and flows.
0: Yep. Yeah. And so that was real. I mean, I was 21, I don't know, 1920, something like that. 21. But I finally came to a point of I'm not doing this nonsense anymore. And that was great. But While I might have stopped those behaviors and and the addictions uh, and closed off those points of entry for the enemy, he still had a grip on my mind because, and this is where I'll share just, I'll share, well, maybe two brief examples. I don't want to get lost too much in this, but I need to share this because when people read about derealization, it's a sense of detachment from reality. It's a sense that, oh, things don't feel real okay, well, that's, I know that's real for some folks and that's a scary thing. But add to that crazy trippy stuff that only serves to confirm that you're dreaming because it's things that shouldn't happen are happening. For example, I was sitting in a a room. My daughter at this point was five years old. So however that makes me. um, And my friend Mike is there and his girlfriend and there is Christina. And we're just talking, but they look to me like those two guys did on that night. Mm. I'm looking at them like, Hmm.
1: Maybe you recognized the spirits.
0: Mm, like something isn't right here now. Yeah. And I kept pressing into like, what's going on right here? And I was looking, it was something in their eyes. I could not, I couldn't discern their intent. It looked like you're trying to do something to me. It felt more like they're trying to do something to me. And then as I pressed into that, all of a sudden, boom, reality falls and that fear comes in like a flood. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I start to stand up and I said, you know, that, you know, fight or flight thing. And I said, Christina, what's going on? And she said, I don't know. Their faces are changing. Okay. Now it was interesting how she phrased that because that's what a five-year-old would say. You know, I, she wouldn't say, I don't know, father, it looked like their intent for you was uncertain whether good or bad. I couldn't quite discern it, daddy. No, it was like, oh no, their faces are changing what the heck so i i get up and i get out of that room and then my brother ricky was there with his girlfriend and i'm tripping i go rick what's going on right now and he goes oh rudy um me and jennifer we're gonna go rent we're leaving we'll be back we're gonna go rent shawshank redemption okay shawshank redemption the redemption Mm. I go to this word redemption. Oh yeah. I'm redeemed. Well, you yeah, had in your podcast, yes. uh, I'm redeemed Ricky. He said that in, in, you know, taking a video back to blockbuster back in the day. And then all of a sudden,
2: yeah,
0: reality came back up and there I was, but I asked Mike, Mike, why'd she say that? He goes, I don't know. Oh, but am I going, no, nah, bro. You do know.
1: Yes. You it's like, that. it's like you brought up the girl who saw who, encountered God in hell at the concert like all these little words that were being said around her she's like looking back it seems like it was nothing but they were all connecting to something that like my spirit knew God was trying to say to me so it exactly like what you're saying right there it, were you sober on this day when you yeah, yeah. that's a great question totally sober totally sober totally. and your 5-year-old saw the same thing who obviously is a sober 5-year-old because so many people will say that like Oh, easy for you to say you were on drugs or, you know, different things like this. I get that all the time. It's like, no, on this day, you were sober. And this little baby girl saw the same exact thing. That's a huge part of my testimony was seeing the demon with the shape-shifting face. And that was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. And that's the one that finally led me to seeking Jesus. And really, I was seeking whoever can protect me and save me and fight with me. And that ended up being Jesus. Um, so is this sort of what rocked your world and made you go all in? Had you already been, you were already moving towards?
0: Yeah. I think at this point I was already, I was growing in my desire to understand Jesus and and my place in the faith and, and that again, it was still, you know, it was still not where I probably should have been, but I'll tell you, it was, it was growth from where I was. Yeah. And I think see, hearing Christina say that just—it shook me. Even now, I—I've—I've I've decided, whatever happened, I don't—I can't explain it. I don't know why. Because I—I I feel like it was from the devil. Because you know, God—it does not deal in confusion. Where there's confusion, that's not God. Yeah. God clearly will say, "Nah, you, this is this is wrong." There's this is the way. This is the truth. There's too much. I don't know. Too much uncertainty as to what that was even about we for me to try. To
1: too. There's a Bible. Yeah. I just wanted to throw it in real quick because this this helped give me clarity was it says, um I can't cite it, but it's God is the same and he does not change like the shifting shadows.
3: And when mm. I read
1: that I was like, oh my gosh, mm. I connected it to seeing those shifting those shifting mm. faces. So yeah.
0: Wow. That's good. I like that. Thanks, Michaela. I'll good. I'll check that out because um I think sometimes we have to be careful. Again, I have a testimony and now I can share it openly without, I used to not be able to talk about it because it would just trip me out and I would fall into another trip. Yeah. Um, now I can, but I think sometimes we can stay stuck back there. Well, why, but why did that happen? What did that mean? Well, I don't know. It happened because I was dumb and I opened up myself to a lot of stupid stuff. And there was some residual mm. the enemy. It had a foothold that I had to renew my mind. See, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It took me to truly get my heart and mind aligned with the truth of God. That really happened, and people and you know how it is. People are you don't want to believe you. All right, well, don't believe me. I know what I saw. Yeah, Um, but it just really screwed me up. And there was in in that I would get frustrated with God, saying, "Lord." I'm seeing all this crazy stuff right here. I need you to show up and show me something on the other side, on, on the righteous side, on yes. on the heavenly side. Can you show me like an angel? Just show he? me. <laughs> no, he just yes, is- same,
2: same. I've been asking. No,
0: he has not. You know, and and I think, you know, why is he saying? Cause baby boy, faith is the evidence of things not seen. If I give you that thing, why do you need faith anymore?
2: Yes. I need you
0: to believe me in spite of the evidence. Like, well, that that's not fun. Yeah. But that's how you grow rude. Like, man. So, you know, that's why I feel like God has not given me that. And so I leave those things as much as possible unexplored. Trust me, I spent enough time trying to figure out why did Christina say that? And then I'll flash forward one one last time. And this is while I was serving as a worship leader at a church here. Um, I don't know. It's been... Well, this was nineteen years ago because this is how long I've been free of panic attacks. This is what triggered for me the beginning of the end of panic because okay. my wife had gone to California. I'm sitting there. We're watching a movie called Big Fish with Johnny Depp, and love I,
1: that movie. Yeah, you love it. Yeah.
0: Well, it screwed me up forever. I can't even watch <laughs> the thing. <laughs> so, because I'm watching it, and my daughter Elena and little Rudy, my my son is his name is Rudy. So is my grandson, his little Rudy narcissistic me but uh, uh but they're sitting there watching big fish their backs are to me and I'm watching the movie but I could feel that familiar feeling like mm, something's not right here I'm watching this movie and there's a point where the dad is he's in a hospital bed and I don't know there's some kind of conversation going and it's a beep, beep like he's about to flatline somehow well not somehow the enemy goes Remember, Rudy, that's you. This is you're on the table somewhere. You're dead. This is just your imagination. Remember, you're on borrowed time. Dream on. But beep, beep. I made an association like I'm this guy on the bed dying. And all of a sudden, boom, the walls fall and that fear floods into my heart. Yeah. And then oh, Rudy, he said, Dad, what's he doing to you? He said that the boy was only. Four. Dad, what's he doing to you? Well, if I'm associating with what's happening on the show, what's the guy doing to you on the this hospital table or on the in the hospital room?
2: Yeah.
0: Horrifying. I'm like, what? I just get up and I call my daughter Christina, go, baby, can you come down? I, I'm I'm go I'm going out of my mind right here. This is 19 years ago, a worship leader. I'm not on anything. Yeah. The devil used my Boy in this scene to bring fear into my heart. Again, I don't know why what he said. What why what does that have to do with this movie?
2: Wow here.
0: And that see, and that that's again the, the frustration of this. Like, Lord.
1: Why is this
0: Scene and hearing this stuff. Derealization, fine. Yeah, but it's derealization coupled with experiences. This is not, he said it. Because people go, well, maybe you heard that. Was this back to you? Listen, man, I'm telling you, I know what I heard. And that I was spun again. It took me two and a half, three weeks to get out of that trip. I, I went to a friend's house, they came through my house and were praying over everything. Uh, my friend baptized me on his porch, singing over me in tongues, which and it was something like I never experienced in my life just speaking over me in tongues, um, baptizing me on his porch with a cup of water. I, mean, I was so desperate to get out of this hell that I was experiencing.
1: Rudy, there's so much about fear in your, in your testimony. And we've been talking about the portals, right? Like the portals in which we let dark things in. And like some of them are very blatant and obvious, like obviously the drugs, the horror movies, stuff like this. But then fear is something that I've also had some fellow believers, like I've had some conversations with fellow believers about and how this can also be a portal if we buy into the lies mm. of that fear um, I've had somebody tell me, you know, like demons feed on fear. And so mm-hmm. when they, when you buy into what they're trying to feed you with this fear, it's showing that you have more faith in like them and that fear they're selling you than faith in, in God sometimes. And so I've experienced this cause I'm a scaredy cat. Like at, at night when the lights go out, I like jump from the bathroom to the bed because I'm like afraid Um, And so I've had to like really work on myself with this and know like, you know, the spiritual world is always like they're always watching, you know, hopefully they can't get that close because, you know, I'm covered by God. Um, But I've had moments where I felt like the demonic in my room. And instead of like keeping my eyes open and just laying there like paralyzed in fear, I have this exercise now when it does come up that I close my eyes, which is my first act of faith because that's hard. You know, when you're afraid, you feel something in the room, you want to keep your eyes open. You want to be watching around. I'm like, no, my first act of faith is like, I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to close my eyes. And I go into prayer secondly, and I just start talking to God. And then instantly I feel this peace, like it's not in my room anymore. And so I'm just thinking about fear. Like this seems like it was such a big portal in your life. Just every time like you allowed yourself to believe in it, then you go into this whole like trip experience.
0: You know, and I I wouldn't build theology on the book of Job necessarily, but there's a point at which he says, the very thing that I feared has fallen upon me. I think we can believe things into existence. Now, be careful with this because I don't, you know, people think they can manifest up. Well, sure, maybe, but I don't think there's a right way to believe things in the where Christ says, "Hey, believe that you've already received and you have it," versus manifesting stuff and all right. this craziness, right? You know the difference of. I don't have to tell you, yeah. um, but I believe that if we're believing lies, as you say, the enemy he that's of course that's the his whole weapon of deception against us is lies, and if he can get you to believe in them, well, yeah, then he has. Free reign in in a sense, and there's also, you know, I think I would say there's also a a biblical context for you know, the enemy demonic power speaking through a person like Peter. Now, look, Peter loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. What he was saying was the intent was to prevent Jesus from even thinking that he could be crucified, and yet, Jesus, like, get behind me, Satan. That was, I, I know that. Voices and messages can come through even the very people we love. And it's particularly, you know, it's interesting that in both of those cases where this trippy thing happened where my kids are saying stuff, kids, I think, are very in tune with the spirit realm. And I know you talked about stuff that you saw when you were a kid. Yeah. But I think kids see stuff, and it's only after years of parents saying, no, sweetie, you didn't see this. Oh, no, honey, that doesn't really happen. That that slowly fades from their ability I think I, I and mean, I don't I don't know that I would say that yeah. the, but you know what I mean
1: I agree with you yeah I agree with you
0: So um that last trip that 19 years ago there I want to say I got maybe a righteous anger saying this I'm not putting up with this bullcrap crap anymore mm. and I don't remember quite how I got this revelation but with you talking about the lies that we believe. Rudy, you died. You died that night. You just, you know, you're on borrowed time. You know what I say? I say, you know what? Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says that I was crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the son of God, Christ lived in me all. Um, Yeah. So I did die, but not the way that you're trying to say. That is the night that I think I truly understood the implications of Christ crucified on my behalf for my sin. So yeah. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says that I've been crucified with Christ. So you know what? I'm gonna receive that. Uh I there's the Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, that you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's what Colossians 3 says. Instead of saying, you died. Period. Oh, and you're gonna pay. Yeah. So the difference there. So what I did was I took the root of my fear. And I think this is important for all of us as we battle fear. What are you really afraid of? What, what is it? What are you afraid of? I think ultimately the root of all, if not many of our fears is death. Well, guess what? Hebrews chapter two says that Jesus delivered us from death for all those people who all their lives were fearful of of death. He says, we've been delivered from that. So I have to renew and continue because this is not to say that there aren't times when the devil tries to come at me because he does. Even now there's there's times and I have to fight it Where I'm with my grandkids and my little granddaughter will look at me and say, grandpa, guess what? And I'm like, oh shoot! What's you gonna? What are you gonna tell me? <laughs> like, you no, know, like, but but I can feel that, like, Grandpa, um, I had a dream last night, and guess what? And I have to in my mind go in the name of Jesus. I'm saved and delivered. I've been crucified with Christ. What, baby? That there was a candy cane house, and like, okay, well, thank <laughs> it, Jesus, you, Jesus. No, know, like, so, but I mean, he still, the enemy will still try to come in like that.
3: Yeah. And that's,
0: you know, it's so important for us. And I've communicated this to our to our church in the last couple of weeks. Like, if you're trying to come at the devil with, well, oh yeah, well, I, in John three sixteen it says God loved the world. You know, fine, that's a great verse, but give me a freaking break. You think you're going to have victory by not having the word firmly. In your heart, memorize it. It isn't that hard. You, yeah. I bet you can. You could recite every verse of Chris Stapleton's whatever song.
1: What you're saying here, like how you learn to fight those things is, um A, the Word of God, and B, prayer, like praying the Word of God. Yes. And so that's how you've gained victory over, over these attacks.
0: Yes. And, you know, speaking the Word, I talked about this uh, also again. We're talking about the rhema word and you know i know there's arguments theological arguments well rhema and and um the, gosh, logos are the one and the same they're synonymous okay and they are i mean they're like this to a degree but there's a distinct difference and you can go back to aristotle and plato in the greek language talking about no rhema is like speaking out mm-hmm. fine you can think the word but the devil can't read yeah. your mind or might argue that whatever man but uh, yeah. uh, but here's what i do know the word spoken out against the enemy is incredibly powerful. And I've done it. I'm like been just in the shower and I could feel a little bit of that thing coming. I don't yeah. care. I will say it out loud in the shower. If I if I'm in the public and that happened, it hasn't, but if it happened to me in public, I don't care who's around. I will say in the name of Jesus, whatever the scripture might be that I'm using in that moment to defend myself against the enemy's lies. And you don't have to memorize 80 scriptures. My scriptures. Are very specific to my attack. You are dead. Okay. Well, yeah. Crucified in Christ. Romans chapter six, read all the co-crucifixion and the co, which is also, it's not just a co-crucifixion. It's raised and redeemed with Christ. That's important as well as the resurrection. But these verses, those are the ones that I'm using. They might not do you well or or not be as effective in your battle. Right. You're doing some other, uh, you might be fighting some other thing, but Determine what the where's the weak point that the enemy's trying to come at you, oh, man. and get at those scriptures and recite them, read them, put them wherever, mm-hmm. and them out in the name of Jesus.
1: I have a question too. How did you end up becoming a full blown pastor?
0: Yeah, I didn't have the intent to. That's for sure. I started off, as I said, about twenty years ago. 22. Now, uh, being on the worship team, I moved from California up here. I was transported via Intel up here, which is a whole nother story, uh, but landed here. And my mom and dad were attending a church here in the town called Gaston went there. And I think as an, as a way to draw me in, because I used to sing at car shows in San Jose for, like, for big Bangs productions, this gangster rap label, bless their hearts. Uh, but I just thought that's what it was going to be my thing. I'm going to be an R&B singer. Just. Okay. But anyway, so I think this was their way of channeling that talent, whatever, that energy into worshiping the Lord. And I was actually one foot in. I had Big Things Productions in California. And then I was also on a worship team for a man named Benji Cortez, who was a worship leader, went to L.A. And, I mean, we were on stage and there was uh, uh, MC Hammer preaching the gospel. I mean, so it was great. <laughs> uh, but I started worship leading. Okay which growing into uh an actual worship director there at the church when that worship pastor had left um, then I moved to a different church and then I began youth ministry and leading worship which then we they opened a satellite campus here in Forest Grove where I live and the pastor at the time who's really was a great mentor is a great guy said Rudy, what if you pastored? this place right here. You know, we'll start you off like a campus pastor apprentice. And then I did that for about a year when the actual pastor, the campus pastor, um, he ended up leaving for some other reasons. And it was this opportunity for me. And at first I wasn't going to do it. I thought, no, I I dropped out of high school. I don't have, I don't have a theological degree. And that turns a lot of people off go, how are you preaching the Bible if you don't even have a theological degree? Well, you know, neither did Peter. And any of them fellows, I mean, it said they were unlearned men communicating the gospel. And I think folks, you know, like you and I, without having some theological degree, although I think it can help. Some would argue that maybe it doesn't. But uh, so I ended up through some encouragement from friends and prayer. I said, "All right, I'll do it." And here I've been for gosh, I don't even know how many years—maybe ten years or so—I've been pastoring here at Old Town, and it's been really great. Not, I mean, not without challenges. But what our focus, what my focus is at Old Town is to undo a lot of the damage done by folks like that lady who meant well all those years ago telling me, yeah, you're you're not acting right, you're going to burn. Uh, that's not, God actually, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when you read the, the the message, when he says that we are ambassadors of Christ, it's saying that the message that we're supposed to be telling folks is that God's not holding your sins against you. That's the message, that God is no longer holding your sins against you. What do Christians do? God hates this person doing this thing. God hates this person. Didn't God tell us that you're supposed to be sharing with them that he's not holding their sins against them? And oh here you're God. with a stupid sign. You, I just get irritated with it. And so here I am impassioned against that religious, legalistic mindset, conveying the unadulterated grace of God who loves us just as we are, even in the midst of your addiction and demonic oppression. The Lord Jesus He just He's on pursuit of you. He loves you. And He's not and God is not mad at you.
1: I love that. And it's that yeah. love that draws in uh the wayward, the, the prodigal sons and daughters like we were. It was it was knowing and feeling the love of God that made me want to come into Him and, and to be a better daughter and woman and all those things. And the closer I yeah. drew the more my ways did begin to change. So it happens. <laughs> It's a process.
0: Exactly. In Titus chapter two, verse um, 11 and 12, it says that it's the grace of God. Think about it. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. The grace teaches us that because as you said, the more you know that you're loved, it's like what my wife, look, my wife doesn't have to put a list of, can you please do the laundry? Can you please make the bed? Can you please show me love? Can you please? no. I mean, a list of rules would, that's not necessarily love, Mm -hmm. but because my wife has loved me so unconditionally with such kindness, um, my gosh, she's one of the most faithful women. I know the way she loves me has changed my heart. She has made me, God has used her to make me a better man. I want to be for her because of love, not because do this don't, you know, don't do that. Uh, so I do believe that love is a more compelling uh, way to Draw people to the Father.
1: Oh, you so just like, preached to me. I'm convicted and inspired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good. Well, I hope so. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, that's I know I've said a lot, and I, I try to avoid as many rabbit trails as possible. But my overall message to folks is that, um, well, first of all, one is that God absolutely adores you. He loves you just as you are. It's not about get your crap together, stop smoking the stuff first, and then come to Him. Man, just just call out to him right now. And yeah. and be specific. Jesus, I was just on the phone last night with somebody and they were going through in fact, Michaela, I wouldn't mind if you could reach out to them as a, a dear woman who um is experiencing demonic oppression in a crazy way, experiencing scratches on the back of her neck. Even as I was speaking to her, she goes, Rudy, they're scratching the top of my head. I'm like, what the yeah. I said, and she's talking, but, but I know I'm a child of God. And I said, You're saying some good things, but you know, you know this. God like oh god this I'm a child of God thing out here that is so it's lacking uh, specificity it's not no it's it's the name of Jesus it's like we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony it's not the word of our testimony like I just shared with you that I once was addicted and I'm not no it's the word of our testimony about Jesus Christ and him crucified that is what's going to deliver us and so I'm like be specific say it's the name of Jesus so Anyway, um, so that re- recognizing the pe- that God absolutely loves you. And then in just what I said, get the word of God in your heart so that it's on your lips. So it can become this Rama word in your mouth. The logos becomes and the written word becomes Rama in your mouth and speak it against the, the, the enemy. And he will flee because that's what the scripture said. If you res- resist the devil, he will flee. Now it might take a minute and he will come at you and he's relentless like he was with me. With my using my babies against me, and that's years, you know, later. Yeah. Um, but you know what, Mikhail? I've been for 19 years. I have not had another one of those episodes. Wow. That's a long time, and I don't say that to boast because only by the grace of God and His Word that I've been able to walk free of that. So there's encouragement to those who think, "Oh, yeah, but I'll never be free." And that's without meds. Now, look, if you got to take meds, I'm not mad at you. I'm not trying to hate on people who who feel like they got to do that. Okay. But, um, that's been without meds. Yep. Uh, so anyway,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I love that point. Um, something I keep thinking about is cause I was just reading one Samuel about Saul and like these very like schizophrenic behaviors that the world perceived it just as like this mental issue, but it clearly says in scripture, every time the evil spirit came upon him, then these crazy things would happen. He would do these crazy things. Like a lot of times the, the mental, um, illness stuff that we struggle with. It is spiritual in nature. Uh, and so it is a spiritual fight. We got to fight. Uh, and I was thinking something else too, about like how you are just such a seer. And it's amazing that you haven't encountered things like that in 19 years, but like when you do see it, I don't know who said this to me, but so, people on social media will like say something. It, it might even just be in a comment and it's like a revelation for me. It, it sits in my heart as like a new thing that I'm like, Oh, I understand this better now. Um, seeing it as an opportunity for prayer, like you do, it's like, okay, I see this thing. I don't need to be paralyzed and fear about it. But I now know that I need to pray for this person about this specific or like, like when you have the eyes of discernment and you can see those things, knowing because you do have the Holy Spirit, I don't need to be afraid. But now I know how to pray over this because I see it. This episode is brought to you by Raised and Redeemed merch. We all love a good crew neck, high cap sock, and oversized t-shirt. Am I right? Head over to the show notes from wherever you're listening to order yours and support the show today. Unrelated to your exact testimony, but still connected in the sense that like this is something the world, much of the world is afraid about currently. Um, I know you've, probably seen and heard about all the UFO stuff, alien stuff. I'm curious on your perspective as a pastor. And if, if you've shared anything with your congregation about this, um, what connections are you making between like, for me, because I know I saw demons in the shape of aliens before. And lots of Christians have different perspectives about if this, if there's going to be like a false Um, if there's going to be like a false rapture, like a deception rapture where the aliens are like a ploy from non-believers to make us think that people are going missing uh, because of aliens rather than the rapture. I don't want to go down a wormhole, but I'm just curious, like from you as a pastor, if this is something you've like thought about or what your perspective would be on it.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you asked. And I did actually make passing mention of it in this whole thing about fear, just telling people to be careful of what messages they're allowing into their hearts and minds and what they're believing. Because folks like Richard Dawkins, he's an atheist, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with him, he's a man, total God hater. Rather than believe that there's a God who created this universe of ours through by just speaking into existence, he, I and I forget what science this is referred to or this umbrella of thinking but he believes and this is on record you can watch it on youtube you can look it up i'll send you the link but richard dawkins is making this absurd in my mind assertion that maybe he says we were actually planted here by aliens ancient aliens who yes. seated us here and blah 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 and that's how the pyramids got here it's like you yeah. okay well fine if, if you know if i give you that who created the aliens well, mm-hmm. they don't answer for that, but he'd rather believe that. I I just say that because there are people who believe that maybe we were planted here, seeded here by yeah. aliens, which speaks to all the ancient civilizations and how did they have so much technology? It would. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's a devil because they, I believe that when you look at the, and like eschatology end times thinking, yes. and again, I'm not an expert on this by any means. So this is just, again, that's why I probably I only touched on, it and I didn't share it because this is, as friends, okay, just talking okay. that um, in the end, somehow there's going to be some entity, some person who rises up, who's able to do miraculous things. This leader who everybody kowtows to, cow to and who everybody falls in obedience, who are aligned with. Now, but think about this: what? Is there any earthly leader who you think would be qualified or who's that charismatic, who would garner that much attention? Think about it. You've got Muslims who would say, this fool right here, I'm not following that guy. It's got to be somebody related to Allah, which then you have some Christian folk who saying, I ain't going to believe in that with Allah. Forget about it. There would be too much dissension, too much hesitancy yeah. to follow for some earthly leader. But now you think about how they're releasing all video and people are seeing stuff more and more. They letting They're letting it out. I think that's for a purpose because, as you kind of alluded to, that moment comes and boom, there they are for all to see. All those people say, see, they see it. And they come here with the cure for cancer. They're able to transport. They're able to do all of these things, levitating, and they can perceive your thoughts and do all these things that seem miraculous. And of course, in our uh, limited way of thinking, they are. That is the kind of leader who I see all nations bowing to. When you see movies like Independence Day, you see the, their appearance transcends any belief. It's like, what? This yeah. is, there's no God. It's this. Yep. And Isn't the it the perfect say, setup?
1: Yes. And the Bible does say there's going to be a great deception before uh, yes. the return of Christ. And um,
2: mm-hmm. also,
1: like when I was in the New Age, I loved aliens like I thought aliens were these cool spiritual entities who had all this wisdom and and I started getting into the Anunnaki Enki and Enlil who were apparently like major alien gods which is that same idea I think you said Richard Dawkins that they had to leave like their planet so they came to earth and that's like the whole I used to think that was the actual true garden. Um, and that Enki and Enlil combined together and started humans as slaves for the garden. Um, but, like, one of the gods was good and one was bad. And the the serpent one that slithered among the humans, this is far out, I know. But the, oh. the serpent one that was, like, down on Earth with the humans, he was the one that, like, quote, unquote, loved humans. And the one that was flying above, I think it, that was Enlil. Uh, he was depicted as, like, the the eagle he's the one that used humans as slaves um so then this started the whole like evolution of you know then they evolved and it all kind of tied in so when i was in the new age and i was very far from the truth and word of god this is what i believed was that we really did come here by aliens and so it makes sense that you know science might try to prove that same thing like it's all kind of luciferian in nature when it's anti-christ and anti-christian
0: Absolutely, because we always have to consider the source. And when Richard Dawkins is saying it. Well, I'm not believing whatever Richard Dawkins says. I'm going to do whatever he says. I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. And and the other, you know, I think Christians, sadly, have a hard time believing that God could so love us, that we would be the only ones in this vast universe who are so loved that there's no other planet with life yeah. forms on it. You know, because that's that's what I happen to believe that God started creation here. And well, what about all the vast galaxies? Yeah. Well, what do you think we're going to be doing for all of eternity? There's a book by Clay Jones called immortal that I'm currently in the middle of in uh, middle of, and he's, he's trying to inspire us to recognize the beauty of heaven. I mean, so many of us are afraid of death. I and mean, we talk about the fear of death being the root of so many of our fears. Uh, he's trying to get us to understand as Christians of all people, guys, Didn't Paul say, it's far better for me to be with the Lord, you know, but for your sakes, I'll remain here a little while. But he's saying, man, I want to be up there. But see, we've lost sight of the beauty of heaven. And Clay in this book is trying to get us to understand, man, there's, there's galaxies to explore. God, in the beginning, he created us to, he said to be fruitful and multiply on this earth. Well, we don't know what that, how, at this point, can you imagine all this, these thousands of years later, or, you know, millions, like people get all caught up in that, but yeah. but whatever the case may be, you we couldn't fit all of humanity from the beginning of time to now on this earth. It would only make sense that somehow we're able to go out and continue this creative thing that God has ordained that we do. So I think it's a small-minded view thinking, well, yeah, you're how arrogant do you think it's just we're the only ones yeah because that's what the word says and i'm going to believe the word over you
1: yeah 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 i mean i'm starting to people probably think i'm crazy because i'm starting to question if we ever really did go to the moon if this was all just a part of you know desensitizing us to outer space and the possibility of you know future alien deception i don't know To the average person like i'm probably losing it over here
0: (laughs) well you're you're in good company girl i've i've been down all of those conspiracy theory roads trust me i've we could probably exchange notes of all the things that I've seen with the Illuminati and even things right now with our current economic system, our world system, really financially, they're setting, it's a, it's happening. We're seeing this setup where there's going to be a new world order and there, it's like a controlled demolition of our financial system. seems that's a whole other thing and Bilderberg group and all these, you know, secret societies. That's all legit. That's real. Yeah. Oh, Rudy, you're tripping. Well then, you know, well, actually, I would encourage you don't go down that road. I mean, it's endless, right? And all it does is inspire fear. Exactly. Cling to what is true. Yeah. Jesus is alive. We there's a greater uh, life after this one that we can look forward to with hope and even joy. Yeah. Uh, and you know, th- does that mean that I just ignore the news? No, I, mean, I try to be informed. But there's a level of going down those t- maybe you know from experience going down those conspiracy theory roads. It's endless. And yeah. at the end of it, you don't know what's real. Because I went down the road too. Of, did the moon landing even happen? Because there's some compelling evidence that shows that it was just.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> I do yeah, I'm like, hmm, it's yeah. pretty compelling. But, you know, fine. If I, I don't gain anything from proving that it was fake. All right, well, then it's not. Uh, but Jesus is alive. And the gospel is true. And I'm saved. I mean, I always have to just keep going back to what is the most important thing be because that's why he says don't set your mind on things that are above Mm -hmm. where Christ is seated at the right hand not below and I think that's the problem we get so focused on this thing down here and and again not that there aren't reasons to be present here in this moment and to love people and enjoy experiences that God has given to us but also temper that with a really healthy dose of having your mindset on things above focusing on things that are lovely and praiseworthy and you know those kind of things as we're instructed to in the scriptures but you ask man what a great question and a lot of folks don't want to talk about it
2: i want to talk
1: about but you too? I do in too. Fact, going back to deuteronomy too it's like god admits there that there's mysteries that he knows that won't be revealed to us so we're not going to know everything and i think mm-hmm. you you concluded all that with the the main point that even if it's all true, even if there's going to be an alien deception, it's like we know that Jesus is Lord and he's coming back and we have a place with him in eternity. So those are the main things because we we cannot get lost in this fear because going back to your testimony, that's what the demons want us to do. They want us to fall into all this fear so that they can get a, a bigger grasp on our lives. So that's the I think that's the perfect way uh, to sort of close that
0: yeah and be very careful to you know to those listening here jesus says very clearly when that day comes when there's that moment where he comes back it's not going to be in some secret place it goes oh, somebody's going to come in my name saying hey he's over here he's over here in the secret place no nah, but when, when he comes every eye will see oh. every ear will hear you will you won't escape knowing that there will be no question because it says that yeah. they will look upon him who they pierced they're going to know like oh shoot, that is, that is Jesus. Yeah. There any, like, am I, Is what is this? Is it alien force? If there's any question, if there's any uncertainty, lack of clarity or confusion, run the other way. Not even that. I'll tell you, even if I see it with my own eyes, I'll say, I don't know what that is, but Jesus, you said that don't, don't believe it. I know it's you and you crucified. I will go, I will go down in flames with jesus and him crucified raised from the dead on my lips that is my going to be my confession no matter what they say if they're standing over me probing me whatever you're doing is ungodly and in the name of jesus i command that you leave i don't know but i'm i'm going to fight it tooth and nail do not believe those lies uh whoever you are out there god when his when he decides it's a wrap jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess
1: Want to dive deeper with the Raised and Redeemed podcast? We now have a Facebook group called the Raised and Redeemed Community, where you can join to discuss the episodes, share your testimonies, and find encouragement from fellow like-minded born-again Christians. Find us on Facebook. We do have the Raised and Redeemed podcast Facebook page. And once again, we now have the Raised and Redeemed community group too. I hope to see you there. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Rudy, for being on the show today and sharing your testimony with us. I'm excited for your congregation to get to listen to this too and learn a little bit more about you as their pastor. Um, just the final thing, would you mind uh, praying us out before we go Oh, and telling us how we can stay connected with you?
0: Absolutely. Well, I'll start with that, just about the connection. I'm at Old Town F like Frank G That's Old Town Forest Grove, OldTownFG.com. And we have a YouTube channel. Uh, It's not as popular as yours, but we have videos there of past messages. And um, if you want to just be encouraged about the grace of God and his unconditional love and mercy extended to you through Jesus, then listen to him. There's some, uh, I think some valuable messages. Again, I'm not the greatest communicator, but it's my heart uh, to communicate the grace of God is born out of this hellish experience that I had. And so I hope you'll tune in there. But I'll, I'll love to pray for you and pray for your listeners. Okay. So Father, thank you so much. First of all, thank you for Michaela. Uh redeeming her and rescuing her from the grip of the enemy is just miraculous her testimony. To many it would seem unbelievable, but Father, I believe every word uh, and the evidence is here in in this commitment that she has to uh, allow her channel to be a platform for testimonies about how you redeem us from our silliness and our trifling with the enemy what a good and gracious god you are i thank you for her i pray that we continue to increase her influence lord that this channel would continue to grow and father that she would be blessed in every way i pray for those who are listening lord who maybe can relate to what i'm talking about maybe they're in the middle of it right now the enemy is Convincing them that they are all alone, that they are nuts, that they are out of the mind, that they're beyond your love and beyond your redemption, Father. In the name of Jesus, I just speak life over them. Enemy, you have no power over them. They, if they call out in the name of Jesus, they are transferred out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of your son Jesus, Colossians chapter one, verse 13, assures us of that. So, Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that what I've shared is valuable and that what was just of me, that it would be quickly forgotten, but they would remember the truth. Um, that through your blood, you have redeemed us from the power of death and the enemy. So I pray that, speak that in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to have you leave a review and share it with a friend. All information on how to stay connected with the Raised and Redeemed podcast can be found in the show notes below. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.